Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, rocking the crowd at Wembley, it's Arturo Zurita. Bro, I'm ready to, I've been trying, I wanted to grow it out in time. <laughs> I didn't your, get fully there. I've been watering it every stash. day. Yeah, I've been mowing lawns, just trying to get it out as much as possible, and it didn't work, but... How you doing, Zach? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How's your November treating you so far? Great. It's fantastic. Everyone's nice. The leaves are turning. Um, I got my coffee at... <laughs> you, know, you know what I think? What I wonder? No one knows when we record these. Right. We record these, like, late at night. I think the latest we recorded was 12. We ended up knocking out, like, at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And we've, we've definitely gone until, like, at least 3 a.m. my time. So, if we ever look tired, that's why. Right, and if and we're looking good, it's probably early in the morning. Yeah, the gods have blessed us. Or it's because we're dealing with Chase's area, and how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, honored to be here. Glad to be with Zach, the funny one, and I'm ready to talk about, <laughs> <laughs> ready to talk about some things. I know, look, I mentioned this over here. You know, there's some things that we talk about. Some, the best parts of the podcast are never in the podcast. That's true. It's right. before and after the podcast. It just Fast. always is. <laughs> we got to get to a point where we just press record. So I was telling these guys a little bit earlier before Zach introduces us, because it turns out he's the funny one of the two of us. My buddy was telling me that out of the two of us, he says, I don't know why you do the Let Me Explain channel. You ain't even funny. That dude you do videos with is funny. I was like, dude, I do videos with. He's like, yeah, on the podcast. And I pull up a picture of Zach, and he goes, that dude right there is hilarious. I'm like, what? I, I thought I was just sticking there. Dude is funny. <laughs> I thought, yeah, he thought he was like the, the funniest one. He's like, that guy, his delivery is set. He, his, his wit is so, like, he's, his metaphors, all of it. I said, you like his outros, don't you? Bro, his outros <laughs> are funny. I said, you do kill the outros. I respect So like that. I said, I'm just the diversity quota here. It turns <laughs> out my man has the smarts, but now he's taking the humor away from me, so I got nothing to do here. So uh, Right. I'll just continue doing all the work on Intercut. <laughs> uh, in a little bit, we'll talk about the American remake of Force Majeure, the gladiator getting back oh. into the arena, and the continuing adventures of Austin Powers. But first, we start the way we start every week here on the Intercut Podcast with what we are watching. Art, kick us off. What have you been watching? Go to bed. Let's start bad. Yo, Nobody's Fool is the trashiest <laughs> movie. I was so tempted to leave, but I had nowhere else to go. And I sat there. I needed to know if she got catfish or not. It's Tyler Perry's new movie, um, Tiffany Haddish, playing a louder Tiffany Haddish. This movie is straight up trash. Tiffany Haddish can't save it, or at least the first make it entertaining. Scene, the first scene we see from Tiffany Haddish, they go to pick her up in jail, right? Mm -hmm. They can't find her. Because she's in a white Bronco getting smashed by the African dude from Wild and Out. Just in the, in the whole scene, it's just, she literally, it's just five minutes of her just doing it in the Bronco. That's how we're introduced to her character. Fun, I guess. It, it don't get better than that. This was, <laughs> bro, this movie was... The people in the in the theater were like, boo. <laughs> and they're the ones who went to go pay for the Tyler Perry movie. I, so I it's not even like fun trash? Bro, it was not fun anything. Let me let me Damn. pull up. I had to write something down in this movie that was like so dumb. I don't even know where I left it. I don't know where my notes are. I'm trying to think of the ending of this movie. This movie is almost two hours long. Right? Ooh. And the whole point is that she gets catfished. And it turns out she is getting catfished. By Chris Rock in a wheelchair. That's dope. 
They took my idea. I pitched my, this idea to you before. Then it turns out it wasn't Chris Rock in a wheelchair. It was just a guy. He was using the social security number of him, and it was another dude who comes in. Then it turns out he's even worse. I. It doesn't really seem like a lot of linear logic. No, none of it makes sense, bro. I wish I had my notes because there is something idiotic that happens in this movie. Oh, I think it was, uh, um, what's her name from The View? Who's in it? Oh, uh. Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg's in it. She literally comes in and just straight up tells you, I got my check. See ya. (laughs) It's like, this is the only scene I needed in this movie. I'll see y'all later. Hey, y'all take care, all right? And just, just straight up dips. I wanted. I have not wanted to leave from a movie so bad as I did in this one. Damn. So it might end up on your worst of 2018 list. Right, it's top. It's top three. I don't even know how. It's top three. Um, so what was the good one then? Kind of good. Um, the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. A lot of okay. people went into this. Really? Movie. No, it's not, bro. I don't even. I completely forgot I even saw that movie. <laughs> I was, I was about to say, I was like, there's no way. The, the, it had an interesting twist, so if you are looking for a Nutcracker in the Foreign Realms movie, this might be up your alley because there's an interesting twist. Yeah. But it had one of the most savage lines. I tweeted about it. I saw bro. Bro, at the end of this movie, right, the girl goes on her journey, and the whole time she's like, mm-hmm. she needs to, like, unlock something. And the moment she does, she's like, there's nothing in here. What was the point of this? She said it was inside. I'm like, girl, she meant inside you. Like, it's you. <laughs> right? I'm just, like, so mad. And the little girl next to me, she's like, chill, relax, let me, I know it's inside of her, but just, re- I was like, no, nah, this is dumb. She makes it back home and she realizes that the power to run, I don't know, the four realms was inside of her the whole time. And she comes back and Morgan Freeman just sits her down and says, did you enjoy your journey? Because Morgan Freeman like led her into the four realms. And she goes, yes, I now realize it was inside of me. And then she's like, of course, Morgan Freeman goes, the best, because <laughs> they're inventors, mind you. The mom and the girl, like, they invent. They work with gears and stuff. They're like Pee Wee Herman. Right. And he goes, your mother's greatest invention was you. Her, your mother's greatest creation was you. She's a middle child, bro. The little boy's <laughs> over there sitting. He starts the movie. That's awesome. Daddy, who's going to dance with me? He looks at him, and they cut to the next scene. My boy never got his dance. Turns out his mother didn't love him. The eldest is there. She's not as pretty yeah. as the middle child. She got no lines whatsoever. And, like, Morgan just goes, greatest creation. <laughs> Was you. Now y'all get out of the picture. <laughs> so the Nutcracker's just busting the myth that parents love all their children equally. 100%. That's all it was. <laughs> but speaking of myths, y'all see Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, Chase did. As of two hours ago. <laughs> so it's fresh for you, Chase. What did you think yeah. of this? I, I think um, the best way to put it is actually not from my own words. I saw a review on Letterboxd that said, this is what would happen if you put Fassbender in Jobs. Like, just that Jobs movie. <laughs> right. Which I think is the best way to put it, because Rami Malek, first of all, I don't think he's, like, this mind-blowing, incredible performance that everyone's hyping out to be, but I think he's really, really good. Definitely would have rather seen uh, Sasha take it on, but that all went down. There's that yeah. whole thing I'm sure we'll get into, but the movie's, like, all right. The entire time I was like, yeah, like, I like Queen. Queen was probably, like, the first band I was aware of when I was a kid, just because I was like... Wait, We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions were made by the same people. Same My dad was like, yeah, they're called Queen. I was like, all right, I guess that's a band. That's cool. So uh, I was just looking forward to it, hoping to see like a good story. And it is like a good story, but the entire yeah. time I was thinking if this was rated R, it would probably be better. If it was 
I kind of want to compare it to Straight Out Compton in the sense that what made Straight Out Compton so much of a better biopic and pretty similar to is that the music never felt like, okay, we're just building up to the point where they uh, the next this song. song. Yeah. yeah. Straight Out Compton was like, all right, Boys in the Hood is like part of the story and it moves the story forward. Like, Fuck the Police is part of the story and has an essential part in that movie. Whereas this was like, all right, they're going to make Bohemian Rhapsody now. All right, they're going to make <laughs> We Will Rock You now. What do you think about that, that scene where they're in the farm, right? And he mm. just stares at a cow. And then he writes Bohemian <laughs> like, Rhapsody. Oh, shit. This dude's just staring at a cow, like, just straight. This isn't like a, oh, the cow's so happened to be in the way. He walks out, breathes the country air, <laughs> straight up stares at a cow, smiles, and writes Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... <laughs> Meanwhile, we're over here trying to write write one note about how we're gonna what we're gonna talk about for our must watch. But I mean, Robbie Malik is good. Yeah, he was really good. I thought. I don't think he's the best thing ever that a lot of people are saying he is. I just think he did a really really good job. Do you think he should, deserves to be in the Oscar discussion? I would definitely give him like a nomination. Everyone's saying he should blow out the winning category. I'm like, nah. Well, who would you have beat him? That's the thing, I don't know yet. That's the thing, I was thinking, there's not many... I like Gosling more, kind of. Honestly. In that one movie where he says nothing and just stares out But at he has the best him. cry of the year? Yeah, I would put Gosling <laughs> over him. But, uh, I mean, I think mainly, like, this year, it's been actresses that have been killing it, so I yeah, think well, that's super competitive, and the dudes have just been kind of chilling this year. But, that's uh, what they should do. They should give one to Tony Collette, and then one for Lady Gaga. Yeah. But for the men's category... Or Tilda Swinton in the men's category. Tilda Swinton. That blew my mind. Give it to Tilda Swinton in the men's category yeah. and in the... Uh, I figured out what the third one was. You know, she's three. I heard. What's the third one? I, I was assuming she's it's the It's the monster. character who appears in the third. Yeah. The one who looks like... Are we, are we moving on to Jabba our next Fett. what we're watching? Because I know this is a movie that uh, Chase liked a lot more than you did, Art. Hey, y'all have it. I said my piece last week. Go. Right. You have nothing to say about Bohemian Rhapsody, Zach? Nah. I, I didn't see it. From uh, what I've been it. hearing, I don't need to see yeah. it. I've already it's, seen it's Walk Hard, the Dewey Cruz story. Yeah. He so. pressed play on the greatest hits, and he was like, okay, I got it. Dude, I did love the last 20 minutes, though. Yes, because yeah, it's th- an IMAX concert. Thing. Everybody is saying that the uh, Live Aid Wembley performance is mm-hmm. genuinely amazing uh, mm. to watch. And, like, it, I, we've all been to arenas. Queen is fun to listen to loud, so I'm sure... Mm-hmm. Sitting in a movie theater and listening to Queen songs really loud is enjoyable, at least to an extent. No, it definitely was. Not as enjoyable as Suspiria, though, because <laughs> I'm sure that both of y'all will agree. Did y'all really get something out of this, or was it just the gore? Because, no, y'all go ahead. Because I was chase spoilers. It's all chase. I haven't seen. So. Oh, you haven't seen it. All right, no. Uh, I was just like, I went in. <laughs> yeah, that's a dope poster. Bro, they sent well, it to saw. me on a. I was so I went to a press thing and they said, "Yo, can we get your address?" Uh-huh. Yeah, I said, "Sure, hit me up." What, what y'all gonna send? We go send you something a little special. It's this Mondo poster, which is cool, right? But when I had said, "Sure, send it to me," I hadn't seen this demonic possession. <laughs> so this is delayed by two weeks, right? And all I'm thinking mm. is, "Yo, what the heck? They're gonna send to my house." <laughs> Last thing I need is for that thing to. They're gonna send till the Swinton. All I'm thinking is, bro, what are they gonna send? It's gonna be something messed up. All I'm, uh, I'm paranoid. All I'm seeing on the news. Robert De Niro gets a pipe on. Yo, what the heck is Suspiria going to send in the mail? It was this little poster right here. That's nice. Y'all seen the movie. Yeah. You know it. It's, it's nice. It's a poster. It's yeah. decent. It's cool. I've been seeing they, they've been Don't sending change. some press people that, like, 
metal claw looking thing. At least he didn't get that. Oh, he no. Oh. That's, oh. that's illegal. <laughs> cringing, cringing hard. But, that's uh, messed up. Yeah. Zach, you didn't see it, so I'm not going to get into like, any spoiler territory. I went in thinking, like, I like the first Suspiria, like the original 40-year-old one. I think it's pretty cool. It's kind of just like a, a horror experience. It's a very basic story, but it has a lot of 90 cool... minutes, not three hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's pretty good. Uh, I like Call Me By Your Name, and this is a complete 180 <laughs> to Call Me By Your Name. Yep. But um, I went in kind of... Just hoping, all right, I hope I like this. I didn't see any of the trailers. People said the trailers were awesome. I was like, I'm going to try to avoid okay. these. Never popped up in front of a movie, so I went in completely blind. And uh, the more I think about it, I saw it over 24 hours ago now, the more I'm re- kind of starting to love it in this weird, bizarre way. I, I just, it's weird because it doesn't feel, everyone's comparing it to Mother, and it doesn't feel like Mother at all to me. Right. Like, I feel like, the difference between, I'd put Mother and Annihilation in the category where, like, you're supposed to take something out of it. Like, there's metaphors and you're supposed to analyze it in that nature. I expected that from Suspiria, but I didn't get that vibe at all. What I got was just, like, a really basic story told in a really just in-your-face type of way that was super overwhelming. It's the most, I don't want to say it's an entertaining movie, because it's not really an entertaining movie. But it's the most unboring movie of the year for me, where, like, every second... It felt long, but I was like, I could sit here another half hour, definitely. I could keep going into this crazy world. Right. Just, like, everything from the costumes to the practical effects. I'm watching one scene in particular. I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? I'm, I'm sitting there, like, how... The body... Yes, the the five minute sequence. However long in the dance was. room, did you yeah. hear his interview about it? No, I didn't watch. He said any no CGI yet. was used. I know, I could tell. I was like, this isn't CGI. This is. He said this was the dancer. The dancer yeah. did. It. I'll that give him credit is, for that. That's that is dope. absurd. That I really like that scene. Uh, just not the hour and a half that preceded it. <laughs> oh. The hour and a <laughs> half that followed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, mean, I think on last yeah. week's show we we talked about. How the way that this is most similar to Mother is in its more Let's of like see. an visceral experience than even yeah. a movie. Like that's fair. Yeah. Y- you feel you feel the movie sitting there, mm. uh, and for I you, it, uh, you'd say like even though it's necessar- not necessarily like enjoyable, it's worth the experience. Yeah, I would, it's basically just like we're gonna get you on the ride. You're gonna stay on the ride. The ride's gonna get stuck. You're gonna sit on the ride for two and a half hours, but you're gonna sit there. <laughs> And you're going to just take it in. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's part of the ride. And it was. I had a great time with it. I would watch it again. When it first ended, I was like, there's no way I would watch it again. Now I kind of want to watch it two or three more times just to, like, see. There's stuff I'm intrigued by. There's times where, like, the subtitles turn blue for a second. I'm like, why is that turning blue? I don't know. I want to find out. I'm intrigued. I was just entertained the entire time. I, I don't know what else. I was genuinely surprised. I didn't take anything out of it. I didn't take out any big metaphors about, like, Germany or God <laughs> or anything like that or terrorism. I didn't get anything like that from this. And I'm cool with that. I just had a really good How time with the dare movies. You. you must dissect the movie. Dude, because it's like six acts and the sixth act the There's entire six, time and an epilogue. There's six <laughs> acts, an epilogue, and an after credit scene. Did you stay for the after credit oh, yeah. scene? I thought it was cool. It was cool. I liked it. 
I gotta see this movie. Dude, you have to, for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if I'd recommend it to people, really, like, because I, I only brought my roommate to one movie by coincidence, and that was Mother, and he looked at me, he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I was like, I'm sorry, this is just a roll the dice, so I don't Hey, know what I'm... was that movie that you took your roommate to, uh, or whoever it was, um, and, and he was hating you for it, and he said it was the worst movie of the year? Uh, Mother? <laughs> I don't know. Was it Mother? Or was it Hereditary? Oh, no, that was Hereditary. That was my other friend. You know, these movies. <laughs> movies to subject people to, yeah, exactly. especially blindly. I mean, I saw, I saw Suspiria with my sister. She's like, that was pretty dope. I was like, I kind of agree. Yeah, so, yeah but y'all from Jersey, so that probably was just true, like, hey, Zach. I, it was a fun ride. Zach, you haven't seen any of these, so. Mm-hmm. Zach, how you live in New York? <laughs> I know. I disappoint myself, too. Uh, there are some things I have seen. Uh, I know we're going to get into some of that into in an after credits, uh, but there is one thing that I did want to talk about, which is the new Amazon show. We got a comment about it last week. Homecoming? Homecoming, yeah. What do you think? Yo, it's really, really interesting. I'm, I'm very into the show right now. Uh, I was into the podcast, and it's got a lot of the same beats, so it's going to feel familiar if you listen to the Gimlet podcast. But it's got a really creepy atmosphere and visual palette. Uh, something that I completely forgot to mention last week's show. This is directed and executive produced by our boy Sam Esmail from mm-hmm. Mr. Robot. So this is like a very cinematic show. It's got it borrows a lot of its look from I would say like '70s horror. It, it reminds me of kind of like that Rosemary's Baby and post-Rosemary's Baby era where a lot of things are done in these slow, creepy close-ups that leave you sort of uns- They look at an image and then they just get uncomfortably close to that image. It's, there's all these little touches to the show that are really brilliantly done. I, the way that it just deals with tone I think is masterful. There's some great performances in it too. Stephen James, who is going to be in the upcoming dude right if, there. Uh, Beale Street Could Talk, has a big role in this. Opposite Julia Roberts, Bobby Cannavale's got a good role in this. I, it's a very, very interesting show that's filmed beautifully. And one thing that I know, Art, you are particularly going to love. This is a half an hour drama, bro. I thought one episode was like five minutes. I looked because I was just playing in the background, right? Yeah. And I'm working stuff. Uh, up next episode. I said, "What? The, what? What happened?" So I need I need to rewatch episode one. I saw two episodes and I kind of got the gist of it, but I was yeah. just like, "All right, I'm gonna have to rewatch it again." Um, were they playing with aspect ratios? Yes. So they do this thing where some of the timeline is done in a very thin aspect ratio. That's scary. I think it's in like it's in like an mommy one-by-one one aspect ratio. I, 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 I felt a little uncomfortable with that. Because, again, I was working on stuff. I would look over, and I thought my screen was broken. <laughs> they go... No, like, it, it turns into, like, cell phone. Yeah. Like, vertical shot footage, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> but there's a lot of really cool production elements to this. Just, no, it's, it's cool. Very, very well done, mm-hmm. uh, from the lighting to the scenery to just the, no, it's cool. the score and everything. And they're marketing it heavy. Like, they're yeah, marketing yeah. it heavy. I've seen I it mean, on TV. I've seen it at the Yeah, I was about to say, is this the one with the soldiers that are, like, in, uh, out of... Like yes. The, no? Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's like a uh, facility where they're sort of helping soldiers adjust back to civilian life, but maybe gotcha. there's something but Something's going gone on. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Julia Roberts, of course, is the star of this, but there's a really good cast. I... 
I'd really, really, I'd really highly recommend it. Uh, if you're it a out. fan of Mr. Robot, especially, it's definitely got that same it's kind of end. like paranoid world outlook yes. to it. Yeah. Um. So you heard the whole podcast, right? Yes. The two so seasons you know, of the podcast. So you know how out. it's going to end then. I assume I know how it's going to end. There are some things that are slightly different. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be my next question then. Yeah, uh, there's a boyfriend character who's been completely rewritten. There's an extra soldier in their group who wasn't in the podcast. So I'm assuming that some beats will change ultimately. Bro, these podcasts. Wait, Amazon this is, is based off a podcast? Yeah, yeah it's a podcast. Based off no of way. That's what's crazy. That's and pretty sick. <laughs> and this isn't the first time. Uh, Lore is a podcast. Right. And that is their like American horror story. Instead of seasons being anthology, every episode is a different folktale. That's a cool. horror folktale. Uh, I know you put me on to Atlanta Monster, and I started mm-hmm. hearing it while I was driving to Atlanta, which was very interesting. <laughs> that supposedly is becoming a movie as well, from what mm-hmm. I heard. So uh, There's another podcast that I enjoyed earlier this year. I believe it's called Dr. Death. Yes. I want to say USA, I that USA might be developing that into a right. show. So this Every is a thing podcast. Now. It's so crazy. Stay tuned. The Intercut Podcast, rated PG-13. <laughs> coming coming to TBS. out in 2020. <laughs> it's a comedy. Yeah, <laughs> starring Zach. Starring Zach, the only. funny guy. Uh, we are going to move on to yay or nay, talking about the latest things happening in the entertainment industry. Starting with Art and I have been cautiously following the progress of the American remake to one of our favorite recent foreign comedies, Force Majeure. Hey. Julia Louis Dreyfus acquired the remake rights back in 2015 and has been developing the project since then. But Deadline provided recent updates. Most notably, that Will Ferrell is joining the film to play Julia Louis Dreyfus's husband, and additionally, the directing duo of Jim Rash and Nat Faxon, whose previous work includes the Oscar-winning screenplay to The Descendants and the coming-of-age movie The Way Way Back, are attached to direct what's now being called Downhill. Art, yay or nay, the cast and director pairing are a good match for Force Majeure. Who is the director again? So it's Jim Rash and Nat Faxon. Uh, They're the duo who co-wrote The Descendants with Alexander Payne, and they did The Way Way Back, that coming-of-age movie where Steve Carell is in it. Yeah. Look, I'm going to say yay, because I'm a big fan of it. Like, I've made videos just so I can mention Force Majeure. (laughs) But what I love about Force Majeure is the subtlety of it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like... It's my theory of, of it really all being about the mom and what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Will Ferrell is such an interesting thing. Because a lot of people look at Force Majeure and they're like, that's a snooty two-hour what it, Swedish film. Yeah. Where not a lot happens. A uh, majority of the time we're just staring at snow. The uh, dad has an ugly cry. But when you really look at these directors, and I hate The Square, which was their follow-up. But these directors are funny. This dude, when he, lo- when he didn't get nominated for the Oscar for Force Majeure... Was recording his live reaction. I and goes, that. Yeah, remember, yeah. he goes into the yeah, bathroom yeah. and starts crying like the character in right. the movie. Like they're super sarcastic. They're super funny. Yeah, the the film has this very particular dry, like almost you don't know if you should be laughing. You can watch the movie and not realize that it's supposed to be funny in any sense, and then someone tells you, you go watch it. You're like, oh, I feel really. That wasn't supposed to be serious. <laughs> so. I'm for it because if this movie expands it to a bunch of other people, if it does it well, like right. it, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this translation is going to be. Um, will Ferrell can, I think, hit the part, you know, th- 
This could be his little Jim Carrey uh, right. Eternal Sunshine role. I mean, he's already like gone a little more subtle Stranger in the Stranger than, than, fiction. than Fiction vibe. So I think we've Daddy's seen home. evidence that you can get a more restrained Will Ferrell. I, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the Will Ferrell we get, uh, given that you know this this could potentially it's a prom premise that could be played very broadly uh when you see that like ugly cry scene you could very easily picture a version of it will with will, will ferrell where he's riffing for five minutes or something and that's not the movie that i want force majeure's remake to be i like the subtlety of the swedish version yep. but uh i do think that this cast especially considering that this is coming from julia louis dreyfus's direction she might get uh, an emmy it, it it makes me think that there's at least a chance that they are trying to keep so like you said you see it as a movie about the mother i do think it is like ultimately a movie about the mother but her performance is much more subtle so i'm hoping that they're intending to keep some of that there mm -hmm. chase have you seen uh, I've not seen force majeure but the way way back is one of my favorite movies of all time hey. so this is on my most anticipated of a while Whatever comes out. And I want to say that the original is on Netflix. It, it may have been taken off, but if it's on Netflix, definitely catch it. Trust I'll me. Check it out. It. Yeah, uh, Art and I highly recommend Force Majeure. One of HBO's most anticipated shows in development is their still untitled Game of Thrones prequel series. Art and I just got much more excited for it because our girl Naomi Watts has landed a lead role on the show. Mm -hmm. Art, obviously this makes us more excited for the show, but yay or nay, uh, this is what you want to see Naomi Watts doing. Yes, I want there to be a giant mystical creature that picks her up just like in Kong, and they just reenact half of Kong in there. Sure. Chase, are you a uh, Naomi Watts hive member? Um. I, I guess, maybe. It's just we tend to mention her a lot in this show. He's just uh, reminded me that yeah. we do. It's just, oh. I'm still just whatever about the uh, prequel series in general, but if they got some star power, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, it is notable that she's a much bigger name than any of the uh, right. stars of Game of Thrones. I'd say even now, but definitely were when they were first cast. Mm. Uh, I want to shout out another podcast that I listened to, The Watch, for pointing out that she does share the golden locks of a certain Lannister family. Yeah, that's family. what I was thinking. So we might be getting prequel Lannisters or something. That that could be interesting. Some uh, King Ball of a Lannister character too. Oh yeah, I would love mm -hmm. to see Naomi Watson in that kind of role. No, she's I'm, gonna I'm play. She's gonna play one of the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> what is interesting is that we always hear that joke about oh, it's a Game of Thrones character in this movie. It's a Game of Thrones characters in this mm -hmm. show, right? Like everyone always refers to them as. Oh, where did I know that person? From Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's going to be like the Harry Potter effect. Yeah, so now it's going to kind of be the opposite. Because <laughs> I feel like she's very, very famous. To have, like you said, a very, very famous face in what would be the Game of Thrones universe. And we're not used to that. Right. They had Sharon. <laughs> they had have been there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's like, unfortunately no, for, good Yeah, point. for like 15 seconds when it just went. Or that yeah, one episode was. that Ian McShane was in, which was kind of random. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah that was weird. Yeah. A new study says 20th Century Fox is using AI to analyze <laughs> its movie trailers in order to boost aspects of trailers that appeal to audiences by labeling items that appear on screen, such as trees, cars, or facial hair, as well as examining the duration of certain shots 
versus the frequency, or as well as the frequency of cuts, the studio hoped to predict which movie trailers would interest audiences that saw Logan the most. Uh, while a the AI was not perfect, it did make some correct <laughs> predictions. Art, I shared this article with you because it's a weird story. So let me let me start with this. Uh, yay or nay, the studios should use AI to pick what movie trailers we see. No, but I just like the way you were saying it. The movie studios use this AI. It did not work. The AI turned <laughs> and killed every test subject. It was a bloody mess. <laughs> that is so dumb. I will say, this. I'm surprised they haven't done this already. They do this for kids' shows. You've right. heard about this, right? Yeah. Uh, usually they use kids. Like, they pay the parents, hey, come use your kid, whatever else. <laughs> and they watch it, and they test out how many times the kids looks away, and that's what determines how many, I don't know, cuts there are on Peppa Pig. <laughs> like, that, like, the colors that they use. That, that's what it's known for. I mean, even in YouTube, they tell you that, that when you're making a video of something, make sure you're always, like, cutting to stuff to not lose the attention span of people. So. Right. I don't know how trailers were. I don't know why you had to create AI to do that, but I think yeah. it's dumb. Yeah, I mean, in this article specifically, they seem to be trying to see if there's any kind of correlation between yeah. the elements that are shown and audiences' interest. It's like the Netflix thing we talked about. That same thing where they're trying yeah. to pick what thumbnails are you picking the most on thumbnail uh, on Netflix? Do they include scenery? Then we're going to rearrange everything to be scenic. Do they include women? Gonna be women. <laughs> Are you black? Now you're just gonna see black people, even if they're not in the movie. But I, I don't know. Maybe the AI will work. I'm no, also mean, against test groups, though. I think test groups are dumb. Well, look. I think you actually bring up a good point by bringing the conversation to Netflix because, like, like the AI will be able to account for things we know we want to see, as if it's some kind of magic trick that Netflix figured out. I would watch a show starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, directed by Gary Fukunaga. Uh, it, it's. <laughs> But I don't know if this technology is going to be necessarily capable of predicting things that we don't know we want to see. And, and that's a lot of there times things that we enjoy and, and a lot of times things that we need more of yeah. uh, is stuff that's a little outside the box and stuff that we're not expecting. So I, I'm i not somebody who knows enough about AI to know whether an AI can <laughs> That's why we brought in our specialist of the day, Chase. Is Chase here. Is so what do you think, Chase? AI analyst here at Rutgers <laughs> University. I, I mean, I just... It's just going to print out, they like Star Wars. They like Marvel. <laughs> right. Like It's just going to be... And then we're just going to get more of the same shit, I feel like, if anything. I mean, 30, the world's ending. They're going to take over 30 years from now, let's be real. 15 years from now, everyone's going to make that perfect movie they have in their head. Just, like, analyzes your brain yeah. and spits it out. It's in theaters. You know, if the studio was smart enough, they should be recording everything the AI is reacting to. It's put true. it up as a series of videos on YouTube. Yeah. Monetize them. <laughs> They're the studio, so it's not like they can copyright their own video and just make bank off of it. It's just and they the only AI have to going, pay the Fine Brothers wow. like a small percentage. A small percentage, but I mean, it's it's a small investment for the amount of money you can make. <laughs> exactly. Did you see they made like a real Chappie like a month ago? It was on Barstool. It was like, a, they didn't call it Chappie, but it looked like Chappie. It was like running. It was like jumping like five feet. I was like, <laughs> it just called it. Chappie. <laughs> Did you yeah. hear they made a Titanic too? I know. I'm, I want to go. I'm <laughs> not going to Titanic. I want to go. Dude, I hope like Titanic some troll rising. puts in like a fake iceberg. They're like that's part that's of the act. So like they dumb. yell iceberg. That's yeah, going to be different. Global warming. So that's just like, <laughs> the water's going to rise too high. So I do Speaking of sequels that people didn't ask for, Ridley Scott's Oscar-winning film Gladiator was released 18 oh, years yeah. ago. 
But that hasn't stopped the filmmaker's dream of getting a sequel off the ground. Now it seems that Gladiator 2 will go into production at Paramount with Ridley Scott directing and Peter Craig penning the script. Craig has previously written two Hunger Games films as well as the <laughs> Boston-based thriller The Town. Chase, yay or nay, it's a good move for Ridley Scott to return to the Coliseum. I think it's nay for anything Ridley Scott makes anymore. Like, Covenant was the worst Ooh. thing I've ever Ooh. seen Harsh. for a long time. And the, just the concept of, like, you saying Gladiator 2 just sounds like a joke. It sounds like something that would be in The Simpsons. Russell Crowe's not going to be back movie. unless Gladiator 2 is a completely different fantasy Ew. Gladiator movie. So it will so, be with a different know. cast. It is supposed to follow completely different people. Okay, but... I know Gladiator gets a lot of hate. I've always really loved loved Gladiator a lot since I was mm. a kid. I haven't seen it in a while, so I might hate it now. But I, I loved it as a kid, thought the ending. Like, one of the best endings I've ever seen. It's, it's Gladiator 2. I feel like it kind of speaks for itself. It just sounds wrong. Okay, wait, 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 but let me pitch you this. The poster comes <laughs> out, or the trailer comes out, and the tagline is, are you still entertained? You tell me your <laughs> buying tickets the day when it comes that, out. That is some Simpson shit, though. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't sound real. I mean, I think I'm sort of on the same page as you, Chase, but on like a different perspective. Because, okay. yeah, Ridley Scott kind of hasn't done a lot that's been great. I think he's had a lot of like well-intentioned misses recently. The counselor. Yeah, yeah among them. Counselor, Alien Covenant, Exodus, Gods of Kings, uh, <laughs> that one that they cut Kevin Spacey out of that still somehow got Christopher Plummer an Oscar. All the money in the... the he, oh. <laughs> okay. Nomination. Nomination. Whoa. Okay. Man, he really has been making... Okay. I mean, I, <laughs> he's been making like a lot of like miss movies. I'm wondering if this is just maybe the kind of thing that would... No. You know, spark no. something for him? No, you know it's not. <laughs> I know I, I like The Martian more than either of you guys. But he, he's oh, not, the best comedy of he's that. He's not year. incapable. <laughs> yeah, that didn't that doesn't really help that movie's reputation, huh? No. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're gonna get to. He is funny. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get to the rough cuts and hit a few news stories really quickly. Starting with in an interview with Ellen DeGeneres, Rebel Wilson claimed she's <laughs> proud to be the first ever plus size girl to be the star of a romantic comedy, which sent Twitter into an uproar. Really? Art, yay or nay, Rebel Wilson just forgot that Fat Girl starring Monique was a thing. Bro, she gotta go. Monique, everyone said Queen Latifah. First of all, and I know she said girls, but I thought she was just saying like plus size in general. I'm like, Superbad is a romantic comedy <laughs> yeah, starring Seth, <laughs> starring uh, Jonah Hill and your boy Michael Sarah. Bro, she was off of it. I don't know what she was saying. I highly recommend seeing all the rebuttals she got on Twitter. And her trying to respond, no. It was bad. Twitter will be deleted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, unfortunately, like movies like Bringing Down the House happened, I guess. <laughs> so Last it, Holiday. It was, does anyone like Rebel Wilson? I, Is I, anyone a Rebel Wilson fan? Pitch Perfect made a lot of money, didn't it? I, a I, lot. I, uh, you haven't heard they're hinting four already? Oh, jeez. <laughs> they were all at a party and they put four fingers up. And I was like, okay. Awkward, awkward here. We're not making anything else. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when people delete their Patreon and then they go six months later, wait a minute, that's where my money was coming from. <laughs> Gotta bring my yeah. Patreon back. <laughs> Stuff like that. So I guess they all realized Pitch Perfect was what was making them money. It's that so, cash cow. I don't know. 
AMC's The Walking Dead is writing off its star Andrew Lincoln Yo. from the show. But Yo. it's far from the last of Rick Grimes we'll be seeing as the network announced their plans to expand The Walking Dead <laughs> franchise into multiple movies, including a trilogy <laughs> set to follow this. former Sheriff what? Rick yeah. Grimes. Chase, reacting to, in, to it live... <laughs> Yay or nay, AMC is pushing too much Walking Dead content. First of all, Movies. I don't know how this is possible because I literally don't know a single person anymore that still watches the show. It's like, still every, like one of the highest rated shows stopped. on television, right? But how is that possible? Everybody stopped watching, I feel like. I, I just don't know. So the trilogy movies is going to follow him when he was a cop, like not in the apocalypse? I, I don't think so because it's like in the Walking Dead cinematic universe. <sighs> Uh, I want to ask this because I heard the same thing. Are we talking like theatrical or are we talking like AMC? I think it's going to be on AMC. I oh, believe. okay. That's a but AMC original be... movie? What's he going to walk out and be like, this is an AMC? <laughs> Welcome to AMC. And then he's just going to do—he's going to write the AMC with a wand or yeah. something? Saying Disney Channel? I'm just glad Breaking Bad ended. Like That, that was prime <laughs> Before AMC. They could Early do Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, I was like, damn, AMC's like better than HBO. It's right. better than Netflix. It's better than Can anything. you imagine if Breaking Bad made a Telltale game? Dude, I would <laughs> Interact love that. Interact Telltale got <laughs> destroyed. They're dead now. Saddest thing of all time. Yeah. Telltale games, their Walking Dead games, so much better than anything Walking Dead shows ever done. Written. Ewan McGregor is in talks to play Black Mask, the ruthless mob boss and Batman villain for Warner Brothers' upcoming Harley Quinn team-up, Birds of Prey. Art, yay or nay, you like Ewan McGregor playing the role of Birds of Prey's villain? That's a... Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on who Ewan McGregor is. He's uh, Obi-Wan, right? Yeah. Well, they're not making the Obi-Wan movie. He needs some franchise, so I guess. <laughs> He's Christopher Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I've always thought of you and Wait, McGregor stop. as this like he super went in. delicate. He went in with the Christopher Robin. <laughs> that is that. Have you, seen, like, have you seen the Christopher Robin and Train Spotting uh, mashup trailer? No. It's the greatest thing of all have time. Have you not man. seen I've it? Fifty times. It's, it's you. Owen McGregor goes into the into Ewan. the toilet and he pops out in One Hundred Acre like, Woods. <laughs> the funniest thing. You have to check it out. Uh, it's one of the most well edited videos of the entire Okay, year. I will uh, leave a link to that down below fair, after fair. you guys you have because to, I need to see to. that. Poo's uh, funny. <laughs> Poo's funny. <laughs> That's what's called. Uh, our last story for yay or nay. On the red carpet for Bohemian Rhapsody, Axis Online asked Mike Myers about the possibility of a fourth Austin Powers movie to which Myers said that although director Jay Roach has been super busy, it's looking good, so we'll see. Chase, are you horny for a fourth Austin Powers, baby? Dude, I am so horny for a fourth Austin Powers. Dude, I loved Austin Powers as a kid. It was like my favorite comedy thing ever. Yeah. I've seen uh, all three of them at least 50 times, I feel like. so. Same. I, I remember like there were rumors of a fourth one when I was a kid. I would get so excited. It never happened. So I don't know if it would still work in like... 2018, but I'd totally pay to see another one, so. Did you also, I don't know if this was ever a real rumor or just something that people made up at school, but that the, there was a fourth, was supposed to be a fourth one starring Jennifer Lo, Jennifer Lopez called Between Her Thighs, maybe? <laughs> I don't I remember don't that. <laughs> maybe that was just something they made up at school. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> something they told yeah. Zach. <laughs> right. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> um, a lot of people have been speculating that 
it, Austin Powers wouldn't really work in like this Me Too era Hollywood. I actually think it might work even better. It's just like being really hyper aware of acknowledging how the culture has changed around yeah. him. You know, because that's like a big thing that happens in the earlier Austin Powers movies yeah. is he's, he's waking like, up from the 70s and such. condoms? Like, right, right. That type of stuff. And even more, now you have to like watch what you say to women. Yeah. Like, I think that would be a funny situation for a notorious Lothario to find himself in. Mm. I, I could, I could see it. I think it'd be funny. Bra Minimi passed though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Minimi is no longer with us. That's true. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I don't, I don't want it. Uh, well, let us know in the comments below if you have any opinions on this week's yay or nay news stories, as well as topics that we should cover in the future. But for now, we're going to move on to our topic of the week. And this week's topic, Freddie Mercury and Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody was released recently. And while many critics were negative or mixed on the film, which ended the weekend with a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes and mm -hmm. 49 on Metacritic, the film was a bigger hit with audiences, getting an A on CinemaScore, 95% approval from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes, and over $50 million in its opening weekend. But this isn't yet another intercut conversation about the split between audiences and critics. Believe me, we've done that before. Uh, what interests us is this idea being debated on an off-film Twitter about what a movie owes its audience, Bohemian Rhapsody, in particular, has been called out for a couple very misleading plot points which twist history in order to create a false narrative in the film. So, Art, let me start off with you. Uh, does a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody owe it to its audience to tell the most truthful version of events, or is twisting history okay for the purposes of storytelling? I think a lot of people pick and choose. Some cases. Now, I don't know. Do you know the particular instance that they're talking about? So there's lots of small things, I think. Because the, I know the big one. There's two big things that I've been seeing uh, people talking about. For one is that uh, a big plot point in the movie is Freddie Mercury breaking off and doing his solo records, mm -hmm. which the movie claim, uh, portrays as this breaking point between him and the band, when in fact two other members of the band had already made solo records. And then also there's a point that uh, he tells mm. the members of Queen about his HIV diagnosis mm. before that final performance. Now we got a conversation here. Okay. And that probably didn't happen until at least two years later. Oh, 100. All right, so look, I've been working on an LME video for this, right? Because I'm a okay. little conflicted between the movie. I like the movie. I had fun with it. I like Rami Malek, but then at the same time, you're thinking there and you're wondering, well, how much of this is just because they, they sang I Will Rock You? Because they sang Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. Am I liking the soundtrack or am I liking the movie? So I was like conflicted of like making this video talking about like mom, like my Mama Mia video where the marketing kind of bamboozles you. Uh, and I was just going to call it. Uh, so I don't, it'll probably be up by the time that you guys see this intercut. So this is more of a fleshing out of those ideas. But that idea that Bohemian Rhapsody and everything behind the scenes kind of bamboozles you, manipulates you in a way, right? And a lot of movies do that. They manipulate things. But like you said... Right. A big part of this is, we got to start from the beginning. So Sasha Baron Cohen was going to make the movie, right? Right. I'm pretty sure everyone here, like Chase just brought up earlier in the podcast, Sasha Baron Cohen movie would have been insane. It would have been yeah. crazy. At the same time, all the band members came out and said, hey, this movie's going to be like a little, it. we don't like it. It's going to be a little too crazy. He wanted it to be insane. And everyone just went, yeah, 
he made Borat. He made all. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we every understand. time I think of him, yeah, I think of that 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 vacuum test tube thing that he did in um, what was the fashion one? Bruno, where he just vacuumed himself <laughs> into another man. You know, so like I get it, but this man was also in Sweeney Todd. Right, right. He was Killed also it. he was also in uh, what's the other one? I don't Light know if it Miz, was Light Miz. He was in Light Miz. Yep. He can carry uh, vocals. He can carry a performance. Yo, my man looks a lot like Freddie Mercury too. A little bit more than Rami Malek. And then I started thinking, all right, they didn't like him. Do you know that they brought the dude Fletcher, the one who actually Fletcher directed Fletcher. it? He came in uh, after doing Eddie the Eagle, but then he left. So then they brought Brian Singer. Brian Singer's making the movie, and then he gets sick, <laughs> films two-thirds of the movie, never shows up again, and then they fire him, like legit fired him. And then it starts coming out. He was having a lot of problems with Rami and other people. And then they call up Fletcher again, comes back, finishes the movie. Shout out to Fletcher. I don't, he, like he watches the podcast. Dude, uh, that dude did it. And he, and he did even, not get any recognition. No credit. And he said, who cares? I just came here to finish the movie. This is a movie about a legend. So shout out to him. Because like he legit made the movie with with just wanting to make sure it got done. Nice, nice guys never win. Yeah, no glory. I'm gonna support, I'm gonna support whatever he does. I'm gonna go read Eddie the Eagle twice because that's a cool dude right there. I really like the way he approached it, bro. I think it's the band's fault. Oh, 100%. Let's go back to that idea. What was the, what was the first question you asked? A part of the two of of uh, switching up history, if that matters, and what it owes an audience. Right. I think the band owes an audience to be authentic. Right. And the more that I hear, did they really not like that they were going to make a rated R version of a Queen movie? Or they did not like what Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to expose or do right. and stuff like that. I think it's Straight Outta Compton. I, I love Straight Outta Compton. It's a great movie. Make. They excluded we, a lot of shit, though. Are we going to lie that Dr. Dre is alive <laughs> and they just so happen to pass around the moment where he uh, kind of hit someone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But Easy es not alive, and we got to see him crying at a billboard of the Chronic. Right. But Easy es girlfriend is alive, and oh, she, she did a really good job of taking care of the estate. Yeah. 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 So, it's one of those things where Freddie isn't alive, but uh, I feel it kind of has a solo effect. Solo is supposed to be the, the craziest gunslinger in all of space, and you got two crazy directors who could have done anything with it, and then they got a little too crazy, let's bring in Ron Howard. Shout out Ron Howard, especially his daughter. But then you get a movie like this where Freddie Mercury is supposed to be like this extravagant character. A legend. And then what happens? You don't want to bring in someone who's just as extravagant today. Granted, he could have been overboard. I'm not saying that Sasha wasn't. But I almost start thinking, how much of this is the the rest of the band wanting to be squeaky clean? Then I start thinking of the movie. Chase, you saw the movie. How many mistakes did the band members make? Not, not a lot. Zero, yeah. Zach. We, we forgive you, Freddie. You're, you're, we forgive you, Freddie. You're cool, Freddie. Freddie, you we made another you. mistake. Freddie, how could you be the one to leave the group? We are a queen. We are a family. We are not a family. I ain't a... Just leaves. Right. Then I, I start thinking... I hear there's a moment where he, Freddie, even like acknowledges, oh, you wrote this part, George, and you wrote that part. And Bro, it starts, yeah. it starts sounding like they were making a movie for themselves. You know what they've been yeah. saying on the mm-hmm. press runs? This isn't a movie about um, Freddie. This is a movie about Queen, the band. Mm-hmm. There's a point. Uh, Chase, Obviously. Yeah, you just saw it today. What does he say? Um, I am not the leader. I am the lead oh, singer. Yeah. That's what yeah, he says yeah. during a press thing. Press conference. Uh-huh. Dude, that press conference scene was bad, too. 
it, all the why, effects they were I, doing. Bro, why would you, I don't know what the effects that they were doing, but why would you have a press conference scene that isn't like an actual recording of a press conference yeah, scene? Exactly, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. <laughs> why can't we find this press conference? You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then you start talking about that, the scene right before the, because obviously they wanted to make that the climax of the movie, the mm-hmm. climax in IMAX. I love that scene. But he opens up to them and he tells them, all right, lads, I got AIDS. Oh, they, they like, forgave him for having AIDS or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay, man, bring it in. But that was in 85. And from what I heard, I may be wrong about the date, but it wasn't until 89 when he was diagnosed. Something like that, yeah. Right, like, diagnosed, not when he revealed it, because he re- still yeah, reveals yeah, yeah. it years later. I think the day he revealed it, he passed away the following day. So I think, like, that's why he's like, hey, let everyone know, and then he passed away. The- but, bro, that's... Four years that you're manipulating yeah. what it is. Not in to order mention to have. the circumstances around that, you know, historic uh, Live Aid performance. They're kind of changing and to manipulate you to feel a whole another triumphant way about it. Does it work? Yes. So can I say that? Yeah. You can manipulate a movie to a point where it's just like, yo, none of that happened, but that scene was. But it works cool. as a movie. That it works as a movie. But what about when it doesn't really work as a movie? And what about when you do start thinking, okay, this is a real person, though? And as a real person, I start wondering, bro, was Paul as bad as they said he was? <laughs> I don't know if Paul had an input in this movie. Now, I'm not saying anything against Paul. Maybe he was a, a bigger dig, as they say there. But I don't know. I start thinking about the rest of the band. And I start wondering, yo, they were too squeaky clean in this movie. And the right. only one I'm going to believe is the girlfriend. Because she was the best character in there, and if she says what happened, what happened, then that's how. But that's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely something that straight out of Compton ran into as an issue. That when you're adapting the life of somebody who's still alive, it becomes a lot more complicated to give a unbiased look at what they were, who they are. Uh, I mean, you know, we have all these movies throughout history that have attempted to sort of chronicle these famous men or famous women and and famous people and and just cut corners in a way that ends up feeling dishonest or ends up kind of, you know, negating a lot of what we see because it's just not really telling you the truth. And I think a lot of times, you know, the movie, movies like this are more of an excuse to, like listen to some Queen songs really loudly than necessarily learn the history of the band. But for me, if that's the reason you're making the movie, then you got to make like an across the universe style compilation movie or, or just get Mike Myers and Dana Carvey back into the car to headbang through the greatest <laughs> hits. Like if you're gonna purport to be a document of truth, there should be some truth to the story you're telling. Chase, what are your thoughts? It's, it's literally fresh in your mind hours ago. Because uh, I, I, I was thinking the entire time, I was like, I want another Queen movie. I want one three, four years to have a life. I want, I want Sasha back. Oh, you want, uh, you want, you want yeah, Jobs? I want the Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs effect. Because yeah. what, what works about Steve Jobs is, is like, they take such an unbiased look at him. Like, sometimes you're like, this guy's entertaining. Like, he's oh, genius. Steve Jobs other times you fight with Seth Rogen, you're like, fuck Steve Jobs. Like, Steve right. Jobs sucks. And I like that aspect. And I was thinking the entire time, like, um, the solo album is really interesting to me just because that whole scene where they break up and they're like, how fucking dare you? Well, they don't say fucking because it's PG-13, but they're like, how dare you, like, leave our family, blah, blah, blah. Like, how could you do a solo thing? How dare you make so much money? I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right. And I, I knew, 
It might be that's not really unfair actually. Now I think about. It. I knew like years ago when because I was excited for the uh, Sasha version a long time ago. Right. And he came out and said like, "Look, I want to do R-rated, uh, authentic, raw Freddie Mercury style yep. story because Bruh, he that's was wild." Be about yeah, like this, is, and I want to go to the darkest of dark, and that's what I want to do. And like Art said, I think Queen read the script. They're like. Mm. We're still alive. Like, I don't yeah. know how to deal <laughs> they say, say how do you know about that party? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I remember, I think his quote. This was years ago, so I could be misinterpreting it. But they wanted like a G to PG rated Queen movie, and that's what this felt like to me. It didn't even feel like PG thirteen. It felt PG ish in a Mama, way. Most of the I time. killed a man. They know PG Queen movie. Yeah, they don't exactly. Make sense. But that that's the problem. They said it should be a family go-to-the-movies thing, which is essentially what we got, and some people really like it. To me, I was like, yeah, I like Queen music. That's cool. But they, they never went all in with the Freddie Mercury stuff. Like, even Straight Out Compton didn't go completely into all the Easy e stuff, but they did it more than Bellman Rhapsody, and you yeah. felt more emotion when those scenes hit. And I don't, I don't know. I, I want another Queen movie, because I think if you changed up the style... If you didn't cram the entire story into two hours, two and a half hours, whatever it is, and try to fit all in there, I think you could make something like a Steve Jobs, like more so straight out of Compton than this. It's not a bad movie, but it, it does feel like eh, there is like that that uneasy feeling when you're watching it, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to people like Freddie Mercury and the band Queen, I think a lot of times it's a lot easier for us to see the ways in which the story might cut corners. Uh, at least for some of us, we might be familiar with the history. Some of it might just sort of seem wrong. Uh, but that's not always the stories that we get based on a true story in movies. A lot of times you're getting a story that's based on something we've never really heard and it, then that sort of becomes the version that people tell. To me, that's a little weird. It, if, if you're bringing a story to the light and then fundamentally changing what we are supposed to believe about that story. Now, that being said, I don't know how integral it is to the legacy of Queen to know that uh, two of the other members had solo albums before Freddie did his solo album. No, that's really bogus because they but, call but him out. But they make out. a big deal about it. They in make the movie. a big deal yeah. about him leaving the family and then you're telling me like they have their own albums beforehand? It makes that whole scene hypocritical. Right, right. So I mean, that's the thing is, if it's ultimately hurting the movie, like it's re- it deflating the tension of those scenes, that's yeah. that sucks, and it does feel like you're being lied to if you happen to bring that knowledge into a movie or even find it out afterward. Yeah. It's um, like if you were bashing another YouTuber, but then cut, <laughs> but then cut out something around it. They're probably it in the context a little bit of like your that. Rent? Yeah, it's like that because you're trying to build a narrative. Yeah, I would exactly. say it would be something like that. Yeah, yeah. perhaps. So. For you guys, was Bohemian Rhapsody ultimately a, a bit of a... Did it feel like it was robbing you of an experience? Did it feel like, dishonest? Or were you able to just tune that stuff up out and enjoy it? I think you can still enjoy it and still call it out. <laughs> like, I right, think that's right. what it is, you know what I mean? Like I could still enjoy parts of Jobs and still be like, all right, this is whack. And like he said, I love what, what Chase said. Hopefully in three years we get the better version of it. Or right. whatever it might be, because yeah, I mean, there is a lot that they overlook, and then there's just like there's just 
filmmaking of it. My man goes from working at <laughs> my man goes from class to working at an airport to to finding the album, uh, finding the band. They get broken down on the side of the road. Fifteen seconds later, they're on a world tour. Yeah, they just, he's like, we haven't played in years. I'm like, we haven't played that was in 10 years. minutes ago. What are you then, talking bum, about? Bum, yeah. And then, like, just like that, they're boom. They're meeting with Littlefinger, and they're getting signed a contract, <laughs> stuff like that. So it's like... Yeah, I feel I like mean, almost all of these music biopics could take a lesson from just watching Walk Hard. Bro, so, everyone's been saying that. Like, you got to yeah. walk... Because it really is beat by beat everything that he does. Yeah, like yeah. I said, my man looked at a cow and wrote Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, <laughs> right after he got inspired by a cow. Uh... I will say this, and I'm curious, Zach, as you've seen more of it. Uh, Chase, you're a big fan of Beach Rats, so I'm curious in your opinion, too. <laughs> a lot of people. Uh, okay. A lot of people. It's at Sundance. You should go to Sundance. You might love their <laughs> movies. A lot of people have been talking about. Uh, uh, before the movie came out, everyone said, yo, those trailers are trash because they're just going to straight wash Freddie Mercury. There's no inclination that he's even going to be gay. See the movie, and they do show you. But a lot of people flag controversy with first man. A little bit, like that. A little bit, not that extreme. Not yeah, I I can see where you go with that. But some people have said what I learned from the movie is that you will contract AIDS if you stare at male extras in the background. (laughs) I saw that tweet. I was like, what is that? And I read it again, and that's that's a that's a quality tweet because at no point does he like ever kiss from what I can remember, or specifically do anything more than hold hands with another man. Right. He randomly stares at a trucker. <laughs> what do you mean? No, he kisses some dudes. Who does he kiss? He kisses the uh, dude on the couch that ends up being his boyfriend. The one who didn't give him AIDS? <laughs> and uh, I feel like he kissed the other guy. No, the well, other, other guy, guy kissed, kissed him. him in the, the other guy kissed thing. him. Okay. Two scenes. But there's a scene where, like, ten dudes come in, they're about to gangbang him, and then he leaves. Right, I, I need to... S- no. <laughs> so that's the argument there. <laughs> I need it to be like beach rats. That's the yeah. argument there. Rami came out in an interview, and it was, like, right at the tail end of the interview. Like, the guy was asking questions, and he was just like, what do you think of the rated R version? Which is why I find it funny. Yo, Freddy, we don't want you because we don't want it to get too wild. Mm. Brian Singer comes in. He still wants to make it a little wild. He right. leaves. Then it turns out those leftover Brian Singer scenes from the party scenes are going to be in the Blu-ray. Oh, are they? So what I... The Snyder Cut. A Snyder... Like, what if we don't want to read our version, then why have it out there at all? Maybe box office, whatever else. But the point being is that in that interview, the rest of the cast was like, yeah, man, I wish we could have smoked more. I didn't feel it was... Like, they said it. I felt it wasn't authentic to the 70s. We should have been smoking a lot more. Um, and some other guy said, yeah, some of the crazy party scenes. And then Rami goes, well... And he, like, finishes off the interview with, like, this big thing about... We wanted to focus on the legend. The legacy of Freddie Mercury and the band. And if you see cocaine, you can assume there was cocaine. We don't need... Gratu- he used, like, every big word in the book. Gratuitous, <laughs> exploitative, whatever, whatever else. Um, because that can take away from it. And I don't think you need to see the party scenes. You know we're at a party, and that's all you need in order to hold the legacy, to show that he was a positive person, and that positivity can spread. Ah, I'm not fully convinced with that. The X biopic's going to be really interesting. But, yeah. Because Rami also don't want to be caught on video with fans. So it's like, Rami, I'm a little (laughs) little half half with you. (laughs) video is so funny. It's so awkward. Have you seen the Call Me By Your Name edits? No. Where Rami goes, 
he's he's looking at he's like can i take a picture with you or can i can you take a video for my friend and they cut out rami's voice and they play the call me by your name is it a video <laughs> that's great there is a version of a queen movie of a freddie mercury biopic that can be insanely great that can be like just pure art top tier like, and it doesn't have to be perfect. We love Steve Jobs. I'm the first one to call out, yo, that's the sappiest ending at Steve Jobs. <laughs> it's the sappiest ending. Yeah. It really is. But everything beforehand is beautiful. The way it's orchestrated. The fact that the, it's filmed in, what is it, 15 millimeter? 35 millimeter? And then digital to go with the times and the technology? Yeah. The, the score is done in synths and then whatever the eight, uh, 90s would have been. And then in uh, a more contemporary thing? Why doesn't a biopic about Queen have that? Exactly. They tried doing the love and mercy thing. Let's uh, put coins on the drums. <laughs> Let's uh, swing a mic. It's like, y'all yeah. should have gone no, really that's in the with thing. the creative I, th- I think process. more of these movies should do a greater job of trying to emulate the artists that they're about. Like That's the thing in looking at the Bohemian Rhapsody trailers and stuff. It just doesn't feel like a very Queen movie or a Freddie Mercury style movie to me it just feels like a very cut by cut by cloth you know very by the numbers like biopic yeah. music biopic no one put that justin bieber concert <laughs> in theaters that's what this kind of felt like right a little bit right and ultimately what? i think that like deprives us of what could be like a pretty interesting movie yeah. uh, that being said there's another discussion going on about critics who feel like the movie should be one thing versus what the movie ultimately is. That's a, and, that's a great discussion, uh, too. Sorry? That's a great discussion, too. Yeah, because like, there's been a lot of people sort of debating about whether or not it's fair for all of this negative reaction, given that that might not have been the movie that uh, they were trying to make. Chase, yeah. do you have any thoughts on the whole debate between judging a movie uh, what it could have been versus judging a movie what it is and tried to be? Yeah, I think it's tricky because you have to... There, I think there's two different conversations for when it's a fiction, like not based on anything, someone's imagination, what you want it to be, like The Last Jedi. And then there's the other side of it where it's like based on a true story. And hey, when he's you start manipulating into it, okay. things, it's a different conversation, I think. So mm-hmm. it is. I, I usually, I am in the mindset usually like just judge the movie how it is and then talk about it after. But at the same time, when you do have the scene of like, how dare you leave this band and make your own solo record, and right. then in reality, <laughs> there's two solo <laughs> records, I think it is fair to criticize it a bit for that, even though mm-hmm. I, you could argue, well, you shouldn't be mad at it for not being a raw, authentic radar thing. Fine. But I think it's a different story to argue you shouldn't change history, as you should say, in a way. Right. That, that's my general thoughts, I guess. That's right, interesting. Well, it's that interesting point of what I brought up earlier where some people legit wanted to see straight-up sex scenes. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't show you the sex scenes, then I do agree with Rami on that. I don't need to see Wolf of Wall Street again, right? right? Another replication of that. I can tell that those parties were crazy. But what I could also tell is that, bro, the other three band members straight-up get up and go, we are leaving here. <laughs> and they get up and they walk away. And... Just like Dr. Dre, when there was that moment in Strider Compton where they just make a little passerby thing. Do you remember when they leave? When they leave. The party? When they leave the party. The big party with like the monkey and everything that's going on, right? They get up and leave. Uh, The guy takes his wife and he tells him, let's go. And he goes, oh, you're going to tell me you don't like to have a little bit of fun to his wife. 
at that point, they were writing, and I read up on this, they were writing their album Innuendo, and a lot of that had to do with that guy and adultery. Mm. I'm sorry, you don't get to have a one-off. <laughs> See, I covered it. Nah, man, dig in deep. What are you talking about? Right, We had right. Freddie go out in the rain and talk about, like, <laughs> no. Like, they, a lot of these movies, like, name-check something interesting and yeah. use that as their excuse to be like, oh, yeah. we covered it. Yeah, when, so, so, yeah, so uh, a movie... Uh, are critics wanting it to be something like, why didn't it cover it this way? I don't know about that. But still, the filmmaking of it, they literally jump from boom, 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 boom. That's a pacing issue. Yeah, right. I wanted it to slow down. I didn't want anything drastic. Bro, at a certain point, I'm okay with this movie being a miniseries. I know I always say I want <laughs> things to be a miniseries, but honestly, don't change it. Keep the same people, make it a miniseries, and flesh out some of the stuff that you have. I don't want it to be right. told differently, perhaps. I, I just want y'all to take your time with it. Yeah, and I think ultimately, you know, you don't want to judge a movie for something it's not entirely. You can't mm -hmm. expect a movie to be a different genre than the one it was made in. Just but expect when, it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're when you're dealing with facts and when you're dealing with uh, a story that is well known, it, it does, I think, call into question what you're trying to do when you're trying to deceive people as to what's true or what's not, especially when these could be things that are important to people. You know, we, we've seen movies recently where the actions that took place at Stonewall were changed or uh, <laughs> things that happened on 9-11 were changed. And like, those are more important like ways of rewriting history than they uh -huh. do in Bohemian Rhapsody. It's not always just okay to do it for a film for the entertainment flags. value. The flags. <laughs> yeah, you gotta plant that flag. Uh, we are gonna move on for our final segment of the week, but let us know what you think about this topic in the comments down below. It's time for the new to see where we break down what's new in theaters to streaming and on VOD starting with on November 9th, The Grinch, The Girl in the Spider's Web, A New Dragon Tattoo Story. Yes, that's its full title now. Overlord. What? And The Front what? He's Runner. not lying. The All Girl in the theaters. Spider's Web, A New Dragon. Wow. Yep. They just don't wow. need to make sure you know uh, that Claire Foy movie is the same as the Rooney Mara one. Same as the one from the books. Y'all are buffoons. <laughs> uh, and in limited release, El Angel, River Runs Red, Postcards from London, and Les Bomb. Then new to streaming on Netflix, November 8th, Sea of Trees. This is the Gus Van Sant movie that got booed out of con a couple of years ago. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't this like come out three years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix now. Uh, November 9th, a whole bunch of Netflix originals, including Outlaw King and the Great British Breaking Show Collection 6. Then on November 12th, the Jeremy Saulnier movie, Green Room, my favorite movie where they shoot up a bunch of neo-Nazis. Timely, okay. Yes, timely. Uh, HBO Now on November 8th, HBO original documentary, We Are Not Done Yet, about a group of combat veterans who work through their trauma in writing workshops. Then on November 9th, La Familia and the season two premiere of Room 104. Uh, Room 104 is the interesting anthology-esque show from the Duthless Brothers where every episode takes place in the same hotel room, but... Other than that, there's no real continuity between yeah. the episodes. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, bad times at the Room 104. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that one comes back this weekend, the November 10th on HBO Now. When You Wish Upon a Pickle, a Sesame Street special. 
as well as Love, Simon, and Paddington 2. Okay. November 11th, the series premiere of something called Sally Forever. I don't know what that is. November 12th, The Price of Everything. And November, for, for November 14th, Annabelle Creation. Then on Amazon Prime Video on November 9th, Beat Season 1 and Patriot Season 2. Then finally, Hulu has a whole bunch of new cool stuff, including recently they added every single episode of King of the Hill. I will be revisiting those in order. Uh, they also are adding 11 seasons of Married with Children on November 9th, Big Hero 6 on November 10th, Monsters Ball on November 11th, The Little Death and the Wolf Pack on November 12th, then Bigfoot, Keepers of Magic, and Killer Bees on November 13th. Finally, new to VOD, November 9th, River Runs Red, Lesbom, In a Relationship, Delinquent Season, Time Freak, Here and Now, and Pimp. Then on November 13th, Mile 22, Puzzle, Trash Alpha, Man. The New Romantic, Lasso, and The Meg. Which one were you calling Tragic? Mile 22? No, I was calling that Trash. Oh, Trash. <laughs> Not Tragic. Trash. trash. That's the Mark Wahlberg one? That's the one where they made my boy from the raid equal why I look like a punk. So that's Ugh. trash. Ugh. Not even no. the recycling bin. That goes straight to the dumpster. So I have a feeling that won't be your pick for the week. But Art, what is your pick for the week? I got two picks of the week right here uh, as I'm looking at it. Overlord, a new not-so-Cloverfield movie, as they would put it. I saw this one two weeks ago. I liked it. It's not a Cloverfield movie, so don't go in thinking it's a Cloverfield movie like I thought it was going to be at one point. What is he lying? What am I lying? <laughs> the studio told me to be quiet until my poster it's came in, so sorry I can't say anything. Uh, no, I, it's pretty fun, dude. I like the characters. It's a pretty good movie. Watch it in the biggest screen possible because this thing is insane. Um, so that one, if you're going into theaters, I don't know about the Grinch. I don't know what Tyler Creator is doing. I don't know why he's doing the whole album. But okay, get, get your get your money, bag. Tyler. Yeah, you do that. Uh, Atlanta season one. I Yo. have opened up the Hagen Dazs I've been having in the freezer for a while. I said, you know what? We like putting the Hagen Dazs away, right? Because the moment you eat it, it's gone. So it's nice just having it there. So <coughs> I open that bad boy up. I, I don't know. Like four episodes in one night. I don't know if it's fair to call it haagen That's like fine wine you have aging there, man. That's haagen for me. <laughs> but I love haagen I'd drink haagen if it was melted. This, this is good. This is good. I, I updated my Hulu subscription to, to not pay the uh, – or to, to pay for no ads to make sure I worth stay through this. Worth it. So awesome. awesome. It's, awesome. it's fantastic. Please. Why y'all didn't recommend it? Please let me know when you get to episode seven. Oh, that, 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 yeah. I'm going to have like 20 videos on that. <laughs> uh, all right, Chase, any picks for the week? Yeah, mid-90s. It's making no money. It's a shame. Yeah, People will love it. I'm going to make a full video about this. Ay. But actually, I'll actually make the video. And it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I don't think it's one of the best movies ever made. It's just one of those ones that just spoke to the soul in my body. And <laughs> it's something I'm going to watch Three million times before wow. I die. So. Hey, I tried doing. I tried doing my part. Yeah. I told everyone, go watch it. It's true. It, it hey, made like three million, four or uh, five million so far. Nothing. Right. And that's Shame. all from Chase watching it. Yeah, that's basically. Chase. I yeah. told Chase as soon as I'll I got it. out. As soon as I got out of uh, TIFF, I told him I was like, "Yo, mid '90s is you. It's, it's you." Then he comes out of it. and He goes, 
Bro, midnight these is like the script I've been writing for the last six months, man. I don't even know. How, I don't I, even know how to tell. Dude, I was sitting there, like I wanted to cry, but I, I couldn't cry because I was trying to process everything I just witnessed. He was like half a set. He's like, I can't make the script anymore. Yeah, I, I was just, like, I got to just the trash. I just saw it. <laughs> but he was also happy because he saw it. And knew like it's great, like it's possible. So, uh, Mid-90s is my choice. All right, so check that out, and you might see Chase watching it a three million and one time, first time, whatever. Uh, As for me, I recommended Homecoming earlier in the show. I'm going to keep that recommendation going if you got Amazon Prime. Uh, Also, if you have Amazon Prime, there's another show on there that I've been hearing virtually no buzz for, so I'm going to just go ahead and spoil it. Have you guys been hearing anything about Forever? I don't know what that is. <laughs> that doesn't exist, Zach. <laughs> this is a show This starring... is one of Zach's jokes. <laughs> this... He's funny. Yeah, this is my hilarious <laughs> show. This is a show starring Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph, created by Alan Yang, the guy who did Master of None, and Matt Hubbard, the guy who did 30 Rock. That's been getting no press whatsoever, despite being on Amazon Prime. Does it now, suck? Uh, I... No, it does not suck. It's pretty good. <laughs> That being said, I think it's gonna. I think it's sort of hard to recommend without spoiling it a little bit. Uh, and don't say anything. That, I'll, I'll binge it tonight. We'll talk about it next week. If you're giving it that big of a recommendation, I'm not. I'm not giving it that big of a recommendation. I want to say it's like it's, <laughs> it's a step below the Good Place He's for funny. me. Which, if you know, the Good Place is like one of my favorite sitcoms right now. So, it's definitely enjoyable. It's funny. You got Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen, who are pretty reliable for a few laughs. They're hilarious. Uh, I. It does have. A bit of a good place edge to it, though. Are you sure you don't want me to spoil it for you? You're not gonna watch it. <laughs> You're not gonna watch it. What are you talking? I about? still haven't watched Westworld season two, so I'm definitely not gonna watch it. <laughs> All right, go ahead, up. go ahead, go ahead. All right, so you can skip ahead a few seconds if you don't want the show you haven't heard of until now spoiled <laughs> for you. Uh, the first episode sees Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen married and kind of dealing with some conflict, and then by the end of the episode, Fred Armisen dies. Second episode, Maya Rudolph decides she has to get on with her life and figure out what her life is about when Fred Armisen's no longer in it. And then at the end of that episode, she dies. How many episodes are there? Eight. It's a very interesting show. Bro, why'd you spoil it? <laughs> now that you spoil like that's so dope, but now I have no reason to watch. There's more that there's more to it, man. There's more to it. So yeah. I would stick with it. Six episodes without the main cast. <laughs> no, they're in it, dude. They're in it. That's the thing. Stop spoiling it! <laughs> this could have been my favorite show. <laughs> Can you imagine watching this and then going, Zach, what the heck? He just died. And then he goes, just wait. Bro, episode two, she <laughs> just died. I feel he's gone now. Zach, I watch it. every Zach, I watch everything you recommend. You don't. You didn't even hear about this. Like, I just did from you. The first episode. If you started the first episode, I was already intrigued. I was like, all right, that's pretty good. good. <laughs> but you went to episode. There's two. more to it. I promise. But it's Zach, so this could all be a joke. I could live through the Oh, he's a funny guy. <laughs> it don't exist. Forever is not a real show. Yeah. Uh, so that's my recommendation for the week, if you're still interested. I'm I... glad y'all watched it, now that he <laughs> told you. Uh, that's all for this week's show. Chase, where can people find more from you? 
uh, you find me on YouTube at a few mixed reviews with no recent videos, but recent videos <laughs> coming soon. We have me at Chase Zarian on YouTube with no recent videos, but videos coming soon. And uh, Chilling with Chase on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes. That's that right? Yeah. And, Who'd uh, you ask? I don't know. I was, I was making sure. Jewess, <laughs> God, God. Dude, I said so fast that like Podbean, iTunes might have mixed in there and made one like Pytunes or something. I don't know. They got you. They but uh, got you. I'm on there. I haven't posted an episode in a while, but that'll be coming back soon too. Sweet. That's all I got. Thank you. Uh, you can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Letterboxd, all at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplexshow. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, of course, YouTube. You can also watch me on Let Me Explain at youtube.com slash Let Me Explain. Or on some other videos, you might see some Let Me Explain on there as well. Just doing collabs left and right. I'm all over the place. Yeah. But of course, you can catch me every week here on the intercut you can listen to every episode of the intercut podcast on itunes soundcloud or your favorite podcatcher i like overcast and then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast but to the video feed as well here on our youtube channel youtube.com slash intercut pod where you can watch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest happenings in the entertainment industry find new episodes of intercut every thursday and please leave us a comment like the video Consider heading over to iTunes and uh, dropping us a five-star review, mentioning how I'm the funny guy, you know? (laughs) You are the funny guy. Uh, Like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod. You'll get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, probably from Chase, too, from all of our guests. I like to retweet stuff, so uh, make sure you check out those handles. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story is a towering piece of film criticism.